we are looking for experts and gurus and strategists and consultants and mentors and this and that to tell us how to build our businesses. Now, there is a time and a place for that. I'm not here to bash upon the brilliant minds that can support us in the world, but it comes from where is the power? That is the question. Where is the power? And for most of us subconsciously, our power is in resolving, needing validation because we don't trust ourselves. As a result, we are playing out our dysfunction. Our behaviors are, I don't trust myself. So the first thing I need to do is seek the next course. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hey Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth, over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. Hey, Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind podcast. I saw a post on LinkedIn by Vinit Bartier, and he made this comment that an acorn has within it everything it needs to fulfill its true nature of becoming an oak tree. And yet in business, we look outside of ourselves for the inspiration. We look to our external advisors, coaches, mentors, experts to give us guidance. So I wanted to get Vinit onto the podcast so that we could explore this idea about how we can tap into our own innate creative intelligence and how and he shares actually a four-step process and how we can become even better at just calling things right in our business, about having some clarity of thought, even foresight. Uh, so a really interesting and engaging conversation that we finished, had a great conversation, and then press stop. And um, Vanit then started to share some even more sort of gold dust stuff. So uh, there's, a, there's an extra bit on the end as well. So it's really well worth a listen. Thought-provoking are the four steps that you can do to just tap into your own innate creative intelligence that enable you to make better calls, better decisions, um, better uh, strategies in your business. Hi, and welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Gavin here. Hope you're well today. I've got the great privilege of speaking with um, Vinit, Vinit Bartia. He is the founder of the Natural Business Group and the Natural Business Philosophy. Vinit, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Thank you, Gavin. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm very excited. Well, first of all, thanks to you. You engaged with a, a post that I did on LinkedIn. You uh, shared uh, an article that you wrote about natural business, which I read with uh, and really enjoyed reading with great interest. So I reached out to you in return. Come on, let's get, let's get you on the podcast because I know we can have a great debate about it. So before we go into the natural business philosophy, can you share a little bit with listeners about your your back, background, your sort of life and career journey to date? Yeah, sure, sure. Um so, you know, um, I had a, essentially, you know, I was just your regular employed guy. I worked in sales and I was training to become an accountant even back in the day. But, you know, never felt good about, you know, that sort of stuff. And uh, then I, I guess 
life forced me into the work that I ended up doing. I guess life gave me no option. Um, I started my own emotional intelligence uh, training and coaching business where I had a team of 20. I had, I had 20 practitioners who were getting work through the work that we were doing. And emotional intelligence came about because of my own, how can I put it? My own suffering, my own pain in life, you know? Um, I used to have a very bad stammer. So I was not able to sp speak fluently. So what most people take for granted when it comes to communication, I could not take for granted, right? Uh, most people of my age or older than me will probably have heard of, heard of Gareth Gates. Do you know who he is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you know, he was a pop singer who had a very bad stammer. So that was me, right? And um, had a bit of a uh, you know, up and down childhood. And so I guess I was looking for answers. And um, I started to meditate when I was very young. Um, and as a result of that, intuitively, I just, after going to therapists and everything, I just understood. I was like, do you know what? Intuitively, I knew how I could help with my speech and with my lack of confidence and et cetera. And there was intuitively, there was this answer that came to me. It was called emotional acceptance. And uh, I helped myself with that process. Uh, I applied it to myself and my speech improved. My confidence, you know, skyrocketed, et cetera, et cetera. So I spent the last nine years, I believe it is, up to a couple of years ago, um, I was coaching and training emotional intelligence uh, through this particular process. And then I had a very bad car accident in 2018. In June 2018, I was driving from Kent back to my parents where I lost consciousness at the wheel. I lost consciousness mm. and I hit two cars. Luckily, no one else was injured, but I was. And they had to airlift me to hospital, um, broke loads of bones, was on the verge of dying. I was in hospital for about nearly a month. And after that, I just realized, you know, life's too short to do what you don't really feel called to do. You know, we all have a calling in our hearts. We all, we all have a sense on some level that there's something that we're here to add value to, that it's not just you, you, you come in, you die. And um, I started to develop this philosophy of business because I had had my own business for 19 years. And um, it was called natural business. I mean, that name didn't come about until six months ago, but it started to evolve. And I had written, a, actually, I had written a book 10 years ago, actually through the KPI for, group uh, forum. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'd yeah, written a yeah. book about it, but I didn't yeah. have the confidence eight years ago to be able to put it out there. Amazing. And um, yeah. essentially, this, this process started to come together. And I realized that whenever I'd had success in my own business, I could attributes it to the natural business process which i was doing naturally and when i was not successful when i was failing i was doing un what i call unnatural business which i'll explain in a minute so then i started training other business leaders other founders other entrepreneurs in this new philosophy of business and it's just taken off it's like you know when you're in the right place at the right time and you believe in something you know, doors start opening. And um, that's how it's been for me in the last year or so where this philosophy has taken off. And uh, yeah, so that's my background. I love the story. Now, I want to just drill into what you mean by natural business. Now, you uh, in your article, you, you, you share a very, very powerful and uh, illuminative kind of like analogy of the acorn and the oak tree. So I think that's a, a good way of sort of accessing this concept or philosophy of natural business. Sure. Yeah. Let me explain. So 
the way that I explain natural business is this, is through this particular analogy, right? The analogy is of an acorn and an oak tree, right? The acorn has a destiny, right? At its heart, the acorn's destiny is to become an oak tree, right? Um, so because the acorn is, is essentially the seed that becomes an oak tree, right? Yet the thing is that the acorn embodies the intelligence within itself to become an oak tree, right? So the acorn doesn't seek external validation, external, you know, um, resources, which I'll explain in a minute a bit more about, but it doesn't require a lot of external resources. It embodies everything it needs in its creative essence, in its creative intelligence, in order for it to become a note tree. The only external reference it has is in the shape of sunshine, a bit of rain, you know, you know, nature. But those external resources are in alignment to its creative intelligence. So natural business very much is akin to an acorn becoming an oak tree. And what I mean by that, we as human beings, we, if we have a creative disposition. We have a creative intelligence that all of us harbor. Creativity is not something that is reserved for the artists, right? Creative, we are creative by nature. The conception of a child to the birth of a child is the most fundamental creative act. And if us as human beings started to meddle and mess around with the creative act of birth, we would mess it up, right? We would mess that up, right? But we don't. We leave it to it. The same as that in business, when we have a, you know, Gavin may have a destiny, a destiny in the sense of there's something that his heart really calls him to create in the world, a particular business, okay? His oak tree, shall we say. And then you, Gavin, have a natural creative um, intelligence that is a guiding force, shall we say, a life force energy within you that is, that is, that is a guiding force for your oak tree, your business to come to fruition, right? And it plays out through creative instinct, through intuition, a gut instinct, right? So within you, you have the oak tree and it becomes, uh, sorry, you have the acorn and it becomes an oak tree. So really natural business, if I summarize it, is about tapping into one's own creative intelligence in order to be able to build and create innovative businesses that right. is essentially what it is and how do you help the people you work with the businesses you work with tap into that their own innate creative intelligence yeah so there is a four-step process there is a structure to the madness shall we say yeah right? okay even creative people the most creative people they have a structure they are not aware of the structure at all times but there is always a structure existence has a structure whether we like it or not okay so I'll give you an overview. There's a lot more to it. We can even dig into it, but I'll just give you an overview for all the people listening at home so that they get it. So in order to tap into your creative intelligence, first of all, we have to know what are we creating? What are we gonna actually create? Like in life, we need to know what is our oak tree? Like, what do we wanna create? What is true for us to create, right? That really calls us. So the first step in the natural business process is what I call to create a, a true vision, okay? A true vision or a positive vision. And what do I mean by that? 
A true vision is something that is really true for you to create. Something that you would love to create for its own sake. Not because you need to get away from a circumstance that is not working out for you. Not because of your mom said you need to do this. Not because, you know, your forefathers had an influence. None of that. But what would you love to create, Gavin, would be the question, right? And then there is a process. We do a shamanic there is a particular shamanic process that we do that shamanic cultures have done for a long time. It's a process called a, I call it a business land of plenty. Okay. And essentially we tap into a sphere of consciousness within you that already knows what you would love to create. So, okay? And there is a, almost like a guided meditation sort of thing that we use and we tap into you know, what would Gavin really love to create? What would, what's, what is true for him to create? Hence why we call it a true vision or a positive vision, okay? As opposed to, so let me give you the opposite side, as opposed to a negative vision. So what's a negative vision? A lot of people on this planet are not getting what they want, not creating what they want, because their mind is subconsciously focused on getting away from something. Mm -hmm. They are... They think that their mind is focused. So the number one rule, as I say, the number one principle of existence that I have come to find is focus creates reality. Okay. What you focus on creates reality. So what are you truly focused on? So people, you know, I often get executives and business leaders come to me, uh, particularly now because of the coronavirus. Oh, do you know what? I'm, we are trying our best to create. I go, but actually what you're trying to do is you're trying to reinforce that you're going to get screwed by the coronavirus. That's what you're really focused on. You're not really focused on what you truly want to create. I go, you're trying to put out a fire. You're not, you're not building a building. You're putting out a fire. So that's a negative vision. We've got to understand the structure of the mind, right? And we get you to go from a negative vision to a positive vision. That's step number one, because focus creates reality, okay? So what are we focused on? And most people are subconsciously focused on stuff that's not going to get them any. And that's one of the classic errors that I'm seeing right now amongst, uh, sorry, in this, in, in this pandemic. People are getting caught by negative visions galore. Mm -hmm. Even the most successful entrepreneurs are getting pulled down by this, right? Mm -hmm. and, that's a, and that's a classic mistake. So that's step number one. Step number two. Um, unless you want to ask anything. If you want to ask anything, let me know. No, I'm, no, I'm, this is good. Keep it going. Okay. So step number two is what I call ego neutralization. Okay. And what is that? Let me explain. What is the ego? So the ego is just a sense of identity, who we believe we are in the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is essentially who we are programmed to be. It's what psychologists said, or Carl Jung said, you know, we have a, uh, we have a, an identity that forms the first eight years. Okay. So yeah. with that identity that gets formed, that is essentially a program. It's essentially a program in the mind. And its job is to keep you safe. Okay? Its job, its, its preoccupation is not for you to create something. That's not its job. Its job is to keep you safe. And safety is perceived safety, to keep you the way you are. It's not even physical safety. It's not that there is a, there, that there is a tiger on the loose and you're going to get killed. It's perceived safety. Okay? So there were certain threats in your childhood. And it keeps perceiving those threats in your adulthood. So it's to keep you safe. That is where, if you're not aware of it, that is where sabotage occurs. Yep. And right now, amongst the pandemic, we're seeing 
catastrophic levels of sabotage amongst the most successful entrepreneurs. Can you give me an example? Uh, let me give you an example. Let me think. Let me think of one. I had so many in my mind a few days ago. So let's take the example of, um, actually, let me give you my own example. People said to me, okay, this year, that right now, the, there, is this, there is this pandemic that's, that's now playing out, okay? There's a pandemic that's playing out. People are not going to hire people like you. People like you are not going to get hired. They, they, you are a luxury, right? So what, is, what does my ego bring up, okay? Oh, my gosh. Because that's what I learned from my parents. I learned that, I learned that you know, that things don't always work out for me. I was like, be cautious. You need to be safe. You need to, you need to, you know, be very careful. And so for me, I remember at some point this year, I've been, I've, I've obviously been in business for ten years, and um, my ego is like, oh my gosh, what I have to get a job? What if all of my business falls apart? And then you could, you could I could almost feel as though there was this concern, this worry that comes on. Then. My, then you would think that where my mind went to was money and, oh my gosh, what if money runs out? What if this happens? So there is this, there is this general, you know, this anxiety that's playing out for you. And then, and then our mind says to us, but we're justified to give it focus, right? Now, we're not saying that we should not face up to the truth of a situation. But if, it's getting, if our energy is being sucked into it, then it's not going to help. I made a conscious choice. I said, actually, I've got so much value to offer that this is a time when businesses need me. This is a time when businessmen, businesswomen, entrepreneurs, they need me. I felt myself getting sucked in and then I made a choice. I was like, no, I'm offering huge value to people in the world right now. So I, but I was conscious of my attention being diverted, but a lot of people don't realize that their attention is being, is being, um, is being taken off. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's a fascinating piece that we talk about this concept about natural business and the acorn has within it the, the, the natural intelligence to grow into an oak tree. You have within it a natural intelligence, but you like all of us, can be thrown off our path by negative programs, by fear of external market surroundings. You know, an oak tree doesn't get thrown off its path. It has one purpose, and that is to build into an oak tree. Or sorry, an acorn doesn't get thrown off its path. It has one purpose. We're knowing sentient beings. We think we're influenced. We are influenced, obviously, as children. We're influenced with our peer group. We're influenced by the media and social media. So it's so the heart of what you're saying really is about is that ego neutralization is it's putting us getting quiet, whether it be meditation or whatever, moving away from all those influences around them to reconnect with that inner knowing of the value that you bring or the your oak tree that you want to build. Yeah, exactly, exactly. See, there are two forms of intelligence, right? And we're not trying to belittle, we're not, and I want to make this clear. We're not trying to belittle the part of our 
identity and the ego that keeps itself safe, right? It has its role. It has its role. But essentially, ego neutralization is exactly what you said. It's about just removing that part of ourself to the side. It's a very, it's a very much, it's a child self. It's a very much a child self, right? Uh, we, we just put it aside and there are tools that we use to just usher back in that creative intelligence and to let the higher voice, shall we say, guide us. So that's, so that's obviously ego neutralization and you summed it up perfectly. And then shall I move on to step number three? Yeah. Okay. Step number three is tapping into creative intelligence, right? So let me give you an example here. We all have creative intelligence, okay? So within quantum physics, uh, what they talk about is um, <clears throat> they talk about, not only in quantum, even, even in physics, in general physics, I believe, uh, they talk about how we as beings, as human beings, are conditioned to perceive, I think it's something like 2,000 bits a second of information. Okay? Sure. Don't, don't quote me on it exactly, but it's something in that region. So we have... 2,000 bits of information that we're programmed to perceive, okay, that we receive. Yet there are millions and millions and millions of bits available to us. That means that there is more information available to us in every given second beyond what our identity wants to perceive. For, because our ego is, 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 um, it is, uh, it's, its preoccupation is safety and keeping you where you are. It's because it is because of that preoccupation, it, it wants to consume those 2000 bits. It wants efficiency because the, because the brain is designed for efficiency, right? If it's over, if, if it's, if it's inundated with, with, with too much information, with data, then, then, then it becomes overwhelmed and then it can't make the best decisions, right? So those 2000 bits are, 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 for perfect efficiency, shall we say. Mm -hmm. But creativity is, are, is the bits of information that exist outside the 2000 bits. Now we all have got insight and access to this. You and me have, even to the uninitiated, to the creative world, they've had sparks of ideas. They have, they have this intuition that just says, turn right, turn right. And you're like, it doesn't make any bloody sense to me. But it says turn right. And then you hear so many people saying, oh my gosh, if I were to turn left, there, there was a car accident and I could have died. Okay. Mm -hmm. We all have intuition, instinct, gut instinct. We know through science, we have a brain in the gut. We have a brain in the heart and we have a brain in our minds, right? In our heads, right? Therefore, there is this intelligence that's existing. So the third step about tapping into creative intelligence is, teaching you to become aware of bits of information beyond the 2000, mm -hmm. okay? It's, you already have access to it, as I said, it's just teaching you how to do that. And there are creative processes that I take people through um, that help you to access that. Um, and when you tap into that, you become aware, you become hyper aware, shall I say, of your intuition and the common feedback I have from from clients you know is I already know this they, they'll often say to me after you've gone through step number three and this can take weeks it can take days we can plug back in 
They say, but I've always known that that was my avenue. And I said, yes, we all do. But did you act on it? And they mm -hmm. say, no. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we all do. So we're all intelligent beings. But it just takes a moment for us to be shown that we're safe to be able to access more than the 2,000 bits. And then there's a whole journey to that. We could, we could sit here for hours and I could teach stuff and all sorts. But that's number, number three. Is It's a creative intelligence a learning to tap into that. And so just as an idea for people listening, the pro an example of a process that you teach or help people uh, explore to tap into creative intelligence, is that like meditation, for example? No, no, it's, it's, um, it's not really meditation. So I teach it. I, I teach a process which, um, so let's actually go through an example, right? So say for, okay, so there is an exercise that we do. It's called Vision Current Reality Bridge. Okay? Mm -hmm. There's a particular exercise that we do. So within, so what we do is first we, we become aware of the vision. What are you trying to create? Okay. Yeah. Then we become aware of the current reality, i.e. what is truly going on for you right now? It might be that you're fearful. It, we, we acknowledge where we are right now. So it's A to B process, right? Sure. When we have the A to B process, it creates a tension. It mm -hmm. naturally creates a tension, a structural tension. This is where structures come in. It creates a structure. Now that structure that gets created, if we leave it up to the ego, it will resolve towards the current reality. You will sabotage, you will procrastinate, etc. If we're self-aware beings, then we do not give into the psychological tension. And instead what we do, we act on the creative tension that arises. That creative tension that arises between current reality and vision is called a bridge. Mm -hmm. It's called a bridge. Okay. That bridge... I guide you onto that bridge. It's a process of imagination. It's a process that we do through imagination. You step onto that bridge intuitively. And uh, there is a symbol because the way that the subconscious mind works, it understands symbols, right? So we step on, we get you to see symbols and certain uh, signs and symbols that arise within your subconscious. And then you might say to me, oh, okay. So I'll say to you, what's on the bridge? You might say to me, I see a star, for instance. And then I'll ask you to decode it. You're an intelligent being. You'll know what that means to you. And you'll say, you know what? I know what I need to do. Uh, the action that I need to take is that I need to get on a stage. Because I've always felt as though there is something about me that is, you know, that deserves to be in the limelight. Hence, you saw a star, for instance. So that is one of the exercises we do to tap into your creative intelligence. That's one. There's many more. But that's one exercise we do to tap into that. Step four. Step number four. Step number four is intuitive action. Okay. Or is, or is action. So there are two types of action we can take in life. There are two types of action. One type of action is when we're being driven by a sense of fear, or shall we say, uh, by the, by the identity, right? So often people will say to me, you know, I will work with, you know, entrepreneurs and business people, but we're taking A, B, C, D action, but it's not going anywhere. And I'll say, okay, so why are you taking those actions? And what they will say in their own way, in their own language, 
is I'm feeling psychological tension, i.e. my thoughts and feelings are getting in the way, right? I will listen for that. And so what they're really trying to do is put out the fire. They're not actually going anywhere, okay? Um, so it might be that the fear of running out of, I don't know, money, for example, is driving them. Now, it's not to say that you can't take action to be able to, because that's a real world thing, and we do. But actually, that action is, for instance, they, I don't know, they might have client meetings, and they're really being pushy in client meetings, right? And they're trying to get the clients over the line, and, and we'll have this dialogue, but I'm really trying, and I go, that's the problem. You're trying too much. You're getting desperate. Imagine going on a date and you were a desperate person. Would that work out for you? Would she or he be interested? No, they wouldn't. So that's a dysfunctional behavior that's playing out. That's called a dysfunctional behavior. That dysfunctional behavior is trying to compensate for something in your identity, right? In your identity, you might believe that, uh, for instance, that you that you can't trust people, for instance, that they don't have your back. So when you go into a meeting, you overcompensate, right? So that's a dysfunctional behavior. We eliminate dysfunctional behaviors and we differentiate between dysfunctional behaviors and functional behaviors. Functional behaviors are on, the, on that tightrope of creative intelligence. They are creative in, in nature, okay? So, that's where they go versus a psychological tension, which is you're trying to get rid of the thoughts and feelings that make you feel uncomfortable. And that's not the right behavior. So the action is a creative action. Okay. So I'll give you an example here for a minute. For me, I, in my natural creative disposition, I'm a people person. Okay. I can get along with any human being on planet earth virtually. And for me, I have a sales background, so I also know how to sell. But when I go into meetings with a desperation to try and sign up a client, etc., right, that process doesn't work for me because I know within me, I have this identity within me that is seeking safety, and I'm aware of that particular pattern within myself. So I'm like <laughs> clingy, right? I, I, I know I have that in me, right? If I'm vulnerable, I know I have it within me. And when I do that, Clients don't sign up, okay? They don't give me money. It doesn't work for me. That's me compensating. So I let that go. Instead, what works for me? My creativity is as a giver. I am naturally, I am a giver, okay? And giving works for me because I'm very heart-based. I People sense that I really care, okay? That's my disposition. I'm not saying it's anyone else's, okay? My creativity is I've got wisdom to offer in bucket loads, and I don't hold back on the wisdom. When I get on a call, I'm not trying to sign anyone up. I do, I serve. That's my way. I serve from my heart and I make a difference to someone's life. I, I don't care what they're going through. I put my own agenda aside. When I put my agenda aside and I serve, that naturally someone, one out of two people that I have a meeting with become my clients, right? They want to work with me. That's because they know I care. So it's about recognizing your own behaviors and the behaviors that come from the creative space that are geared towards the uh, uh, resolving towards an end result, a vision that is true for you versus behaviors that are coming from dysfunction because of your thoughts and feelings. And as a result, it's only gonna lead to, the, to, the, to your identity, your ego being reinforced or whatever that might be. 
So that's the fourth. So I want to come back to this step three about this bridge, the bridge between the current reality and your vision. And that the, as you explained, the role of the ego is to keep you safe. And so if the ego tries to resolve it, so you set yourself um, a big goal or in uh, Jim Collins's language, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal. You get you fired up, you get excited about it. You have a sense of knowing that you might have the skills innately within you and the driver and, and, and passion to achieve on that. And then the ego kicks in and goes, the whole imposter syndrome, what if I fail? You know, what if I'm not good enough? And all of that stuff that everybody sort of encounters and then you start to see or play out without necessarily being consciously aware of it the horror movie of what could go wrong Mm -hmm. as you and well maybe i'm just not up to this big hairy audacious goal to achievement of it how in that moment do you what so not how's wrong what are the things that you can do to stop the ego just winning the argument once and for all i got it okay so you are never going to win the argument against the ego once and for all. You're never going to. Okay. It's, 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 it's called, my own co- coach calls it the battle of evermore. Okay. The battle Appar- of evermore. The battle of evermore, right? Yeah. It's apparently, it's a song. I think it's Led Zeppelin, I believe. And essentially, there's always going to be a battle that ensues. You're always going to have a dragon that you have to slay right it's joseph campbell's the hero's journey right that journey never comes to an end it's a lifelong battle between the heart okay which is who you are you are the heart that is that is the part of you that is not programmed by society versus your mind and i always see the clients right it doesn't matter how successful they are i said what you think in your mind is none of your business why because what you think in your mind is none of your business. business. What I mean by that, let me explain that. Most of what we think has what most of what we think has been learned and adopted from our parents and teachers and authority figures. So true. Right. So what you think is none of your business, what you feel is none of your business. So the ego, you could even argue that the identity that we carry is made up of a societal program. You could largely it is right. So we have to go. We have to relinquish, slay the dragon, right? We have to relinquish that sense of identity, and we have to go to our highest truth. And in wise, you know, in shamanic cultures, in Asian cultures, and so many, they often said that that that, that the seat of your truth is in your heart, right? Now. That's who we are. So there is a battle that ensues, right? And so then how do we actually deal with that dragon? How do we slay the dragon? As I said earlier, number one, that battle is going to ensue for the rest of your life. Okay. James Bond movies never end. They <laughs> continue more and more, right? And that's literally how it is. Those movies are going to keep on coming because the battle of evermore between the ego and the heart is an ever-present phenomenon. But how do we actually, for the time being, how do we open the door in the wall and get through it to our creation? One of the ways that I teach is a process called emotional acceptance. Okay. That is what was at the heart of my previous company. What is emotional acceptance? Essentially, we have to let go of the emotional charge that we carry. We have an emotional charge with, that carries within our minds and our body. 
They're called triggers in psychology. They call it triggers. We have certain triggers. We see a certain person. We don't like that person. We feel triggered, right? And there's this emotion that comes up. So when that emotion comes up in the context of business, for instance, it might be that I can't do public speaking, right? And this fear comes up. So what, what I get clients to do is I get them to apply emotional acceptance. It's a very simple process. Essentially, what is it? It is the process of allowing yourself to feel the way you feel without fighting it. Okay. So there is a feeling or there is a sensation that's playing out in your mind and body. Your job is to surrender to that, not to fight it. Because we must understand if we try and fight the ego, you will lose. Most people will lose against their ego because the ego is a fortified beast since X number of years. It is, it is the carcass within which you have occupied most of your life. So you've got to be clever about it. And the way you do it is through surrender. Surrender is not a weakness. It is through feel the sensation in the mind and body. When we do that, we literally feel the charge of the subconscious go poof. We feel it because we've, we've, we've calmed down. You try and fight an aggressive dog. The aggressive dog smells blood and it comes after you. Instead, put down your tools and just calm down. Just relax. And before you know it, the aggressive dog has gone, nah, he doesn't, he doesn't capture my interest anymore. He's not trying to fight me. That when you no longer fight it, it surrenders itself. That's called emotional acceptance. That is one of the ways that we slay the dragon or we neutralize the ego. But it is not a mental process. It is not a thinking-based process. It isn't a therapy-based process. Because in my view, having come from that world in the past, there is no end to trying to fix yourself. We're all... Do you mind if I swear? Is that okay? That's okay. Okay. We're all fucked up. We're all a little bit... <laughs> well, Freud spooked, said right? that. Freud said that. Right? And it's true. It's true, right? There is, there is a part of us that's screwed. That is a little bit screwed, right? Yeah. And yet we have two parts of ourselves. Where are we going to put our attention? Are we going to put it on this genius in intelligence that is designed to create? Or are we going to keep giving attention to the... I said this to my coach. He got very angry. He didn't like it. But in my work... In the past with emotional intelligence, this was true. I said, we all harbor a mental patient within ourselves. Right? Whoa. And, right? and, and, that, is, and, and, that, is, and that is not to, that is not to put down anyone that's going through mental health issues. I, I've been through it myself, and most people have in some capacity. That is just to say that there are two parts of us. One is a creative essence. And the other is the part of ourselves that feels victimized by the world. Mm -hmm. But emotional acceptance allows you to come to peace with that identity so that you can do what you're here to do, which is to create. What do you think is the purpose or the function of this never-ending battle between your heart and your mind? How does that serve us? So, okay, so... My view is the purpose of life is evolution. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Not, but not just a physical evolution. My view is it's, it's a spiritual evolution. Mm -hmm. It's an evolution. It's, it's, it's the connection 
to your nature. And your nature, now I'm not into woo-woo spirituality. I'm not one of those guys, right? I'm very grounded. But I've spent 15 years of my life exploring consciousness. Probably 50% of things I probably couldn't even say on there, what I've, what I've explored within my own being. Mm-hmm. I've left no stone unturned. I've questioned everything. My view is that the pers- purpose of life is to, to realize that you are creation. You are creation in motion. Right? It's, its job is, life's job is for you to evolve in your, in your spirituality, in, for you to go into your wholeness. You are a whole being, you're a creative intelligence, and for you to come home to that, for you to come home to that, right? For you to realize that you are not a victim to anything in existence, right? As quantum physics says, maybe the world outside of ourselves is an illusion. Maybe the world outside of ourselves is just a figment of our minds. Maybe it's a projection of our minds. Who knows? Maybe quantum physics is right. There's a lot of research coming up that, you know, maybe our brains are like the projector in a movie theater. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is the case. Okay. And as a result, I believe that the purpose of life is to discover who you truly are. Okay. And that is this spiritual being who is whole, who is complete, who is creative. And in that, the only way you can discover that in a particular lifetime is because there's a part of you, which is your mind, or you, which is your identity or your ego, right? Which says, I am separate. I am not a creator. I'm a victim to circumstance. Versus this creative essence, right? Which, which is embodied within your gut and your heart it says I'm connected to all that is, right? I'm a mm-hmm. creator. Mm-hmm. All circumstances in my life on some level are being played out because of my participation on some level. And your journey is to go from victim to victor. And mm-hmm. that journey is, is, is the That's longest the journey. Yeah, the longest yeah. journey of your life you'll make. A lot of traditions, a lot of um, wise traditions of the fast have said, the longest journey of your life is the shortest one you'll ever make, which is the one from your head to your heart. Mm. That is why there is a battle. The longest journey of your life is the shortest one you'll ever make, journey from the head to the heart. That That is a very powerful and profound way to sort of pause this conversation. Um, boy, we could go on. I could go on talking with this with you, Vidi, for, for for days, not hours. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm fascinated uh, about my own experience on that journey uh, around the Battle of Evermore. I'm fascinated about this area of work. For the others that are equally inspired, intrigued, and want to find out more about what you do, how do they get in touch? How do they connect with you and check you out? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, please go to naturalbusiness.org. That is the website, naturalbusiness.org. Um, there is some content on there. It's being populated more and more as we speak. If you would like, if you are an entrepreneur or a business person, that is, you know, that is right now you're going through conflicts and problems within your business. And that, you know, a lot of people right now are saying, oh, it's not possible to build business at this time. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea that that sandpaper is coming out. And when that sandpaper starts to rub, that's a great opportunity. So if you are looking to create or 
a, an innovative business, right? That is true to yourself. And for whatever reason, you're stuck in a state of problems and conflicts and issues. Then uh, there, is a, there is a contact box uh, on naturalbusiness.org. You can send me a message and I'm happy to jump on a call with you and to serve you, you know, to just serve you like human beings should do is to serve their brothers and sisters. So if you would like, I'm, I'm happy as long as you have a business or, you know, you are serious about bringing something to the world that innovates the world, that evolves the world to a better place. I'm happy to jump on a call with you and serve you. And uh, there you go. Vineet Bhartia, naturalbusiness.org. Thank you so much. Fascinating, thought-provoking conversation. And for those of you that listen, I think this is one of the ones I would really encourage you to rewind and listen to again uh, because uh, there's so much wisdom and insight packed in, in, in every sort of every minute of this podcast. So, Vineet, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, John. Even the most successful business people and entrepreneurs, etc., Human beings, we are, we, we are all looking for validation on some level. Because as children, we were looking for validation from our parents. It, that was our survival technique, right? Uh, we needed their validation. We needed them. But as adults, what's happened is we've, we've carried our, child, our childish ways into adulthood. We, we've mm. carried it on, on some subconscious level. We all have it. Let's be totally honest, right? We're all seeking validation and acceptance. And as a result, that plays out through, 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 through our adulthood. And one of the ways it plays out in business, right? Is that we are looking for experts and gurus and strategists and consultants and mentors and this and that to tell us how to build our businesses. Now, there is a time and a place for that. I'm not here to bash upon the brilliant minds that can support us in the world, but it comes from where is the power? That is the question. Where is the power? And for most of us subconsciously, our power is in resolving, needing validation because we don't trust ourselves. As a result, we are playing out our dysfunction. Our behaviors are, I don't trust myself. So the first thing I need to do is seek the next course and the next mentor, the next guru, the consultant, the strategist. We don't believe that we have a business genius inside of us. I'm here to tell you that every single one of us has got a business genius inside of us. They're not the same. Your business genius is very different to mine. Mine is different to yours. But we all have a business genius within us. And that's that creative intelligence. It takes form in the form of an archetype, right? We have an archetype within us. So really, it's really about removing the attention from needing that validation externally that makes us go, give me the next strategy, give me the next strategy, right? Remove that, come back into the creative intelligence, we know what that is. It's speaking to us. We're all aware of it. To act on that. Now, when that now starts happening, when that creative intelligence starts to, uh, starts to blossom in the world, if it's in alignment to the creative intelligence and it says, do you know what? I need an IT expert to, to deal with this. And it's not coming from a space of dysfunction, not from a space of trying to resolve our egoic uh, tendencies, shall we say, but it's coming from the space of the creative being formed in the world in the form of a project or a business or a venture. Then we seek out the expert. 
because often you'll find people that even do business courses or mentorship of some kind or pay for the next strategy. They often don't even get the most out of it. Why? Because where was the power? The power was in trying to resolve uh, a dysfunction or trying to get validation. That's why it hasn't worked out. Amazing. Amazing. Hey, Gavin here. I want to get to know you. You're part of my community now. If you are serious about significant growth over the next two to three years, whether organically or through acquisition, let's jump on a call. Let me understand you and your business that much more so that I can come up with some suggestions that you can get on with implementing right now. Go to bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. That's bit.ly forward slash call with Gavin. Hey, Gavin here. I hope you found that a thought-provoking conversation. I certainly did. So four steps that Vadeep recommends. First of all, you know, what do we want to create? Create that true vision, the business land of plenty, as Vadeep spoke spoke about. Step two, ego neutralization, uh, sense of our own identity, who we are, what we believe in. Um, And then step three, tapping into that creative intelligence and, you know, that bridge, that concept of a bridge between where you are now and your vision. Uh, and then the, um, and then action based around that intuition. As in all these things, I just want you to just go back and just think about, are you actually giving yourself enough time to, to think creatively about your business and to be also making sure that you're putting your time into the things that will really move the dial most in your business? And then the additional part at the end around um, we're all looking for validation. Yeah, what... Vanit's helping us to do is actually go inside for that validation rather than constantly looking outside to other people. Thought-provoking stuff. Take care. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.